My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes Layer 2, where every interview is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. Wade Benzoni is an internationally renowned professor at the Duke School of Business, where she has received numerous awards from organizations such as the NSF and the EPA. Her research has been published in premier management and psychology journals, and she has also been recognized for her teaching, which includes classes in negotiation, power and influence, and navigating organizations. Before joining Duke, Kim was a professor at NYU and Northwestern. She earned a PhD and master's degree from Northwestern and an undergrad degree in electrical engineering from Cornell University. I hope you enjoy learning from Kimberly Wade Benzoni, because I certainly did. Kim, it's so great to chat with you today. I've been reading your articles for the last decade, so I'm excited to talk with you. Thanks so much for coming on. Hi, Nate. It's great to be here today and to have this opportunity to share some time with you and to have a conversation. We have a number of overlapping interests as well as a number of overlapping colleagues. And as you think back on your research, are there two to three simple, practical, underappreciated lessons you've learned that you'd most like to pass on to others? Sure. Um, Today, I'm going to be talking about what we have learned from a line of work that explores the psychology of intergenerational decisions. And I know that you like stories, so I'm going to begin with a story and take it from there to get to the insights that I'd like to pass on to others. This story begins with a wealthy and successful man who, one day in the year of 1888, following his brother's death, was reading what was supposed to be his brother's obituary in a French newspaper. As he read, he realized that the newspaper editor had mistakenly confused the two brothers and had written the obituary for him instead. The headline proclaimed, The merchant of death is dead, and then described a man who had gained his wealth by helping people to kill one another. Not surprisingly, he was deeply troubled by this glimpse of what his legacy might have been had he actually died on that day. It is believed that this incident was pivotal in motivating him to leave nearly his entire fortune following his actual death a few years later to fund awards each year to give to those whose work most benefited humanity. This is, of course, the true story of Alfred Nobel, the inventor of dynamite and the founder of the Nobel Prize. I tell this story to highlight a central motivator of intergenerational beneficence and one that I'll be talking about today. Acting on the behalf of future generations represents an opportunity to extend oneself into the future to create a positive and lasting impact. One of the most important aspects of intergenerational relations is that the interests of present and future generations are not always aligned. For example, maintaining sustainable levels of beneficial resources for future generations can require that the present generation give up some of those benefits for themselves. Similarly, protecting future generations from costly burdens may require that the present generation incur some of the costs of managing those burdens themselves. In my research, I consider situations in which people are faced with a trade-off between self-interest in the present and the interests of others in the future. The focus is to understand the central barriers to intergenerational beneficence and then to identify the factors that lead people to act 
on the behalf of future generations, even when there is no material or economic incentive for them to do so. But critically, intergenerational contexts are characterized by the intersection of intertemporal and interpersonal dimensions. That is, they affect the future and they affect other people. We know that it's difficult for people to defer consumption of benefits in the present and save them for the future. There's a very large and well-established body of research on intertemporal choice showing that people tend to discount the value of resources that are consumed in the future. And there's a strong preference for consumption in the present. And we also know that it's difficult for people to give up beneficial resources so that other people can have them. So if we put these two forces together in the intergenerational context, we might expect a compounded force working in opposition to intergenerational beneficence. And we might expect the prospects for future generations to be quite grim. In fact, when I first started doing research on this topic many years ago, I received feedback on it from a very famous and leading scholar in the field of organizational behavior. This person said, Kim, you can't do this. You'll get no variance. Your central dependent variable, intergenerational beneficence, will always be zero. Why would anyone ever act on the behalf of future generations when there's nothing in it for them? That is a true story. Fortunately, I'm not easily discouraged, and I went ahead and did the research anyway. I thought that the fact that a leading scholar thought the answer to that question was not obvious was all the more reason to do the research. And this is the question that this research seeks to answer. And I can share with you now that in literally dozens of experiments in which there was no material or economic incentive to give anything to future others, nearly everyone leaves something for future generations. And in fact, there are surprising levels of intergenerational beneficence in light of the inherent barriers. Why is that? What is going on that's counterbalancing the significant forces that work in opposition to intergenerational beneficence. And the answer is that the combination of intertemporal and interpersonal components create conditions of special significance that make it possible for people to get something that they really want and need and, and is very motivating under certain circumstances. What people can get by acting on the behalf of future generations is legacy. You don't get legacy by having a fleeting temporary effect, and you don't get legacy by affecting only your own future self. You need both these elements, time and others, in combination to create the conditions that make it possible for you to leave a legacy. And legacy motivations are rooted in the desire to feel that one's life has meaning. And the legacy itself functions as a carrier of that meaning, extending the self into the future through impacts on future others. So it makes sense that when legacy motivations are enacted, people are going to be more likely to exhibit behaviors that benefit future generations. And given that legacy motivations are so important in intergenerational decisions, a central agenda for my co-authors and I has been to identify the factors that induce legacy motivations. And we've looked at many variables and it's beyond the scope of this conversation to go into detail on these, but I'll just mention some of them, including the behavior of previous generations, power, death, resource valence, uncertainty about the future, 
affinity with future generations, and perceptions of fairness. So that gives you a sense of the foundational work in this area. But our bigger goal has always been to use these insights to develop ways to improve societal and organizational outcomes. And so in current and ongoing research, my co-authors and I are exploring how inducing legacy motivations can be used as an intervention to improve societal and organizational outcomes. So we developed a legacy induction task that we use as an intervention, and we have applied it to a variety of contexts. We ask people to think about the impact they want to have on future generations, and then to write about it for about five to seven minutes or half a page, thinking about how they would like to be remembered by future generations, what they would like to leave behind, and how they would like their actions, decisions, and behavior to affect future generations in a lasting way. We have used this writing task in a variety of projects and have found that it is effective in inducing legacy motivations and changing behavior in a variety of contexts. Our research shows that it can disrupt a pattern of negative intergenerational reciprocity, shift intergenerational wealth allocations, increase entrepreneurship, increase job satisfaction, and nullify the corrupting effects of power. This simple task is a silver bullet that benefits the individuals engaged in the task and others who are affected by them and their decisions. And the reason for this is that it helps them to think through their long-term goals in a holistic way and contemplate what gives their life meaning. We know that goal setting works, but we rarely do this on a long scale time horizon. Thinking about your legacy regularly and changing your behavior accordingly makes it more likely that you'll achieve it. So if I could give listeners one piece of advice, it would be to take this task seriously. Think about how you would like to have an impact on future generations and how you would like to be remembered and how you would like the world to be different as a result of your life. Research on generativity considers how people look back on their lives and create stories around what has already happened in order to see their lives as meaningful. But people rarely engage in this contemplation early in life before all their life events have occurred and while there's still time to craft one's life in the direction you would want it to go if you were considering it at the end of your life. Linking this idea back to the story I started with, the story of Alfred Nobel illustrates how considerations of one's own legacy can change the course of a life and career in a direction that focuses more intensely on how you are affecting others, how you will be remembered, and what you will leave behind and how those considerations can pivotally change your behaviors and decisions as you go along. No one gets to be immortal by not dying. You get immortality by leaving a great legacy. Regardless of how much power and success you have at the end of your life and career, it always inevitably comes to an end. You leave the organizations, you, you retire or you die. And when that happens, all you have is your legacy. The most powerful thing you can do in your career and life is to leave a great legacy because it enables you to have influence well into the future, even after you are out of the picture yourself. So you always want to be mindful of the legacy you're building. Legacy gives you a little bit of symbolic immortality, and it enables you to extend your impact into the future. 
So to summarize, legacy motivations are a central force in promoting behaviors that benefit future generations. And the desire to leave a legacy is one of the most powerful human motivators because it addresses the fundamental need for life meaning by providing an avenue for self-extension into the future beyond the constraints of mortal life. So let me pause there, Nate, to get a reaction. Yeah, Kim, this topic is perfect for this podcast. And the very first episode I recorded uh, was a monologue. And I share this story of my father passing away from lung cancer, and I'm devastated. And I'm standing with my mom. We're both devastated and heartbroken. And my mom says, um, we're actually standing there on Christmas. Uh, he died just a few days before Christmas. And she says, let's go back to his room. I've got some journals in the nightstand. And I start reading his journals and I just feel connected to him and this emptiness that I had felt for the three days uh, since his death is just feel uh, and I feel this like peace and connection and I hear his voice again in my head. And since then, I've just kind of been obsessed with journals. And so one of the reasons why I started this podcast was because my dad was able to impact me after he died. And I still read his journals and they still impact me and I still learn from him. And so I thought I want to do the same. I want to create journals of the ideas that I think are just really valuable and that have helped me. And that's one of the reasons why I created this podcast. So uh, you, you probably didn't know all of that backstory. Maybe you did. Um, but this idea of legacy, I, I hadn't put that term to it. Uh, and, and so I love that now, uh, as I think of this podcast, I will be thinking in terms of legacy. So thanks so much for sharing that. Oh, good. I'm glad to uh, that you're able to connect it to your personal experience. And the idea is for everyone to be able to do that as they um, they think about legacy. So I I would I would love it if people would just sit and write for five minutes about you know how do they want to be remembered. And what kind of impact do they want to have on the world? And that would make a difference if if everyone just did that. So I will do that personally. And uh, I'm also going to add this to my ethics class. So I teach ethics and I, I do have a section where we talk about, you know, what do you want to accomplish? And um, so often the students will say things like, uh, you know, I want to uh, have my own business run it for 20 years, essentially get rich and retire, or sometimes the time period is 10 years, you know, and I, I'm going to incorporate this uh, legacy prompt in this legacy intervention, uh, because I think there's so much value in getting people to think about the long term. And what this does is it helps them think not only about the long term of their life, but the long term impact they can have, even when they pass away. So I just love this idea and look forward to applying it. So I can share with you that I also have my students do a comparable exercise at the end of all my courses. It's a little bit of a different version. Um, I tell them to pretend that they're at the end of their careers and they're about to retire and their um, best friend colleague is going to be giving a tribute and um, at their leader of the year award that's going to be happening this evening. And then I have them sit there and write that tribute. And students at first, they're, they're, for one or two minutes, everybody's like, you know, frozen. And they're mm -hmm. less like, oh my gosh, why is she asking us to do this? But then they really get into it. And afterwards they say things like, well, you know, I just get so caught up in 
homework and job search and I've forgotten and lost track of what it's all about. And this helped bring me back to, you know, what, you know, why am I doing all this? What's the bigger picture? So, um, so I love, I, I've been incorporating it into my courses, um, at the end, you know, and, um, and we've also have some evidence. I, I teach about power and how power corrupts. And this is, um, we found some evidence that engaging in an exercise like this can help to, um, moderate some of those effects. So uh, students ask me, well, how do I stop myself from becoming corrupted by power? And this is this is one of the ways of doing that. And another good thing to tell the students is that sometimes recruiters ask them a question like this. So now they're well prepared to mm. answer it. Well, and as you and I both know, uh, the research uh, on business students is not uh, very positive in terms of their ethics, you know, and I graduated from uh, an undergrad business program and the research shows that the business students, at least research I've seen, uh, business students tend to be uh, more unethical than many of the other departments on campus. So this is just a great exercise to implement at a business school uh, where we teach. Uh, I look forward to that, but of course, this is relevant for everyone. So thanks so much for sharing this lesson today, Kim. I, I love it. I look forward to applying it, and I really appreciate you uh, sharing this with me today. It was great talking to you, Nate. All the best. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mickles and Dimes. Kimberly Wade Benzoni is a global expert on legacy, and she just shared a perfect lesson for this podcast. We tend to care a lot more about our present selves than our future selves, and this focus on the now can hurt us and others both in the present and future. But by thinking about our own legacy, we can shift our focus to the long term, counteract some of our selfish, present-focused desires, and give our lives meaning. To help people think about their legacy, Kim asks them three simple questions. How would you like to be remembered by future generations? What would you like to leave behind? And how would you like your actions, decisions, and behavior to affect future generations in a lasting way? We don't get legacy by having a fleeting, temporary effect focused only on ourselves. To create a legacy, we need to have a positive impact on others. Just as Alfred Nobel changed the course of humanity by thinking about his legacy, so too can we change the course of our lives and the lives of others and extend ourselves into the future by thinking about our own legacy. It's a simple idea. Please take it seriously. Nate Mickle here with three quick requests. First, if you would like a quick summary of these lessons delivered to your inbox, sign up for Nate's Notes at natemickle.com. Second, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. And finally, if you'd give this podcast a five-star review on Apple iTunes, I would really appreciate it. Thank you for all of your support.